We have not. We haven't. We have not. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's going to be flyers out in the back. We're starting a new ministry here, and we have had done, done it occasionally and have done it on a small scale. So please uh, pick up the flyer. I think hopefully we'll have them in the back. Oh, we've got one on the board. How about that? But you've got to get the flyer. The flyer will actually give a list of, uh, of suggestions as it relates to what, what we're going to be collecting, what will we actually be storing in the church. Um, we've had a couple of requests by families, and it's through the years I think uh, some of you have had requests or no folks. It's getting a little bit more uh, relative in our society, in our culture right now, right? And uh, many people are going uh, without food. Now, we, we also are, are starting the homeless ministry, as you all know. We've had meetings, and uh, so those of you who are interested, please see uh, Ms. Michelle or me. We'll talk to you a little bit about what's going on with that if, they, if Michelle hasn't contacted you already. Um, also, uh, this, I want you to understand, this is um, separate, kind of uh, together, but also separate from the homeless ministry because... Um, yeah, there are people living on the street that don't have uh, a place to stay, a shelter, things of that nature, or they're in and out, supposedly maybe addictions and things of that nature, mental illness. So all of those things are factors. However, this, um, this is just people who are just, ha just struggling to survive. I mean, they're paying electric bills and having to maybe not eat as much because they're paying, or not eat at all because they have to pay a bill, or maybe vice versa, not paying an electric bill because they have to put on, uh, food on the table. So we want to go ahead and make sure that if you know anybody, it does have to be somebody that goes to this church, obviously. It could just be somebody, your neighbor. This is a good outreach for you. Um, so we'll start bringing it in. We'll, we'll have a place in the church where we'll store it. You come in. If you know a, a person in need, we'll make up a box and we can send it out with you. Amen. They don't have to come here to get it. You can, you can go ahead and bring it to them. This is your ministry. Amen. Amen. It's exciting to me that um, we do have enough people in this church now that actually care about these things and are able to be God's hands and feet in the culture and be able to be neighborly, to be neighbors, even with those who are not born again, even those who are not Christian, um, that you're able to help. Amen? And they may never come to this church, but they're having contact with the church, you. That's your opportunity to be the church. Amen? to introduce the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form. Amen. So, Lord, here we are, your servants gathered in your name, Jesus, you know, singing songs and you know, praising you, worshiping you. You are the center of our praise. You are the center of our adoration. None of this means anything, Lord, without you. So, Lord, get us all out of a way, out of your way to a certain degree. Lord, but what I mean by that is, Lord, my emotions, my feelings, um, our feelings, our emotions... Father, just help us to cast those aside. Lord, give us spiritual eyes to see. Give us spiritual ears to hear. And Lord, help us to rend our hearts that they may be soft enough to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, thank you for the ministries that you're working through this body. Uh, Lord, I pray and, and thank you that in the days and weeks, however long we have to come, that that will increase. Lord, not that we can be glorified, but that you may be glorified. So now, Lord, as we break the bread of life, as we study your word, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would again give us all spiritual acumen. Give us the spiritual eyes, ears, and hearts to receive everything that you would have to say to us today. In your great name, Jesus, amen. Amen. You, amen. you may be seated. Thank you for your patience. 
Um, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I, I've shared this with you many times before, and, and um, man, I struggle a lot with messages, you know, and I want to make sure that um, I study it out or that I'm really, that it's God laying something in my heart. And God's laid something in my heart, and in studying it out, um, gosh, it's, it's blowing me up, and I just want to make sure that you guys uh, are with me. Now, so first, I know some of us still carry these old-fashioned uh, paper Bibles. I want to encourage you again, as I say almost every other week, if you do not have a Bible and you're depending solely on electronics, tablets, computers, your phones, please get a copy because those will be changing. There's coming a day when you will not be able to depend on what you're reading electronically because they will alter it and change it. So I'm saying to you, please, if you don't have one, moms, dads, uh, grandmas, grandpa, buy for your children. Get good gifts for holidays, birthdays, and whatever. Personalize it, do whatever, but make sure they have a copy, a written copy of the Bible, something tangible. So again, some of you have those and some of you have electronics. Um, I'm going to be reading a portion. I, I, I struggle with this. But I want you to know whether you're looking at it electronically today or whether you actually have a copy. Let me ask you something. And don't give me the pat answer. I want you to think about this. What do you really believe and think? Is this the inerrant word of God? And I'm holding up a New King James Bible here. The word of God, is it truly God's spoken word? God, is it truly God? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Is this God? Do you firmly believe that? Do you? Okay, so then you won't have any problem with anything that comes out of here. Amen. Amen? Okay, so now let me read something to you. I was debating whether I should do this or not, but I've got to. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I will be starting in verse 31. Please bear with me. It's going to be a little bit. I'm just trusting the Lord, so pray for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer, say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you... Hallelujah. Assuredly, as I say to you, and as much as you did it to the one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say also to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you who cursed, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Who was it prepared for? The devil, the devil and his angels, not for humans. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now let me ask you something. Is that true? Yes, that is true. That is going to happen. And I believe it's going to happen sooner, my brothers and sisters, than some of us could imagine. I really believe that. But I also see in there, my brothers and my sisters, that you know, you could you talk to different theologians and there's interpretations when he's talking about the sheep nations and the goat nations. And when he's talking about the brethren, he's talking about those who are kinder to Israel during the Great Tribulation. But regardless, what you do see in there is as a Christian, as a born-again believer, as someone who is, listen, who has heard the good news and sees Jesus, has a relationship with Jesus, there are certain principles in there that we should adhere to, that should guide our lives. Amen? Amen? To go out and to help. In fact, remember the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. He wasn't just talking to them. He was talking to all who would believe and follow him. Listen, by definition, a disciple is one who follows him. Isn't that correct? Amen. Come on, the theologians in here have to help me out because not everybody understands. But do you hear what I'm saying? So now, in, in only, only he will be coming back for his disciples. Amen? Those who are following him. So in my, in my uh, reading and in my understanding, and, and I would say like yours, there is a certain way or a certain order that guides our hearts and our lives. Amen? Amen. It's the doctrine of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my brothers and sisters, I, you, we cannot be ashamed or afraid of every part of what this says. There are not, I will guarantee you that there are not many, and I'm the, I don't mean this is a critique of anyone else. I'm just saying in general. I'll guarantee you there's not a whole lot of that that was read this morning in especially some of the mega churches. Right? Okay, and I'm not, I'm not being a critique of them, but I want to tell you that the doctrine, the theology, our theology, our doctrine is this. Cover to cover, right? And so now let me, I'm going to look with me. You'll, you'll see Titus. This is the, uh, the bishop, Paul, speaking to a pastor, a young pastor. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.10 with me. Those of us who have been studying Corinthians, we know what this is. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When he's talking about the same mind and the same judgment, what he's saying is we're, we, we all agree on what is proper before God. We all have this mind, that, that let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. And so that mind, that thing, those things, we saw his mind. We saw what his mind, what his heart, what his spirit was about. How do you see that? He lived it out. And so we prove that is which is good, that which is approved of God. And there are other scriptures that would say that same thing. Isn't that correct? Those of you who've read. Amen. So now this morning, I'm really going to talk to you. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to talk more about, or the message should be about the culture, comfort, and the comforter. Culture, comfort, and the comforter. 
I'm going to read kind of a long passage here. I hope you'll follow me. I'm going to be reading out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I will begin in verse 1, so I'll give you a moment to turn. First, um, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And those of you who may be watching, we use a lot of scripture. If this is the first time that you've tuned in, please don't be turned off or tuned off. This is God's word, and this is what we study. This is the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So 2 Thessalonians 1, 1. Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay the tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so my brothers and sisters, listen, this is just God presenting his way. I'm giving you me. I'm coming down there. I'm, I'm reconciling you back to myself with myself and taking a body and suffering a great death that you may be, that your sin um, may be satisfied, or I should say it this way, that the sin payment is satisfied. I've paid it for you. And so now I'm saying to you, follow me. All who will follow me are reconciled back to God. You'll receive eternal life. If you choose not to follow me, you're choosing what's going to happen, the vengeance of God or the wrath of God, which is going to be poured upon this earth. On those who don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, these shall, be, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So my brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm speaking again, culture, comfort. I, I, just, I, I know that many of us are familiar with the word, but are we really familiar with how I'm using it or how it's generally used? culture. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you, but I think some of you, although I, I, I want to apologize in advance, I'm not trying to be demeaning or talk down to anybody, but I just want to make sure we're all jumping off the same platform as it were. Culture, the way of life of particular people, especially as shown in their ordinary behavior, behavior and habits, their attitudes toward each other, and their moral and religious beliefs. So now when we're speaking to culture, you know, there's a culture, there's, there, it, it consists of these things, right? The way of life, right? Behavior, habits, attitudes toward things, morality. What is that guiding the culture, the general populace? Are, are you with me? Okay, so we're all on the same page. So now when I read, let's, uh, Addy, would you put uh, the second Thessalonians, uh, if I gave it to you, three? There you go. I've got some stuff underlined here, and it's for a reason. So when I look at this, we are bound to give thanks always, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. So here's something that's, listen, that should be part of church culture. We should be growing in our faith, shouldn't we? I'm saying that 
This is something that is highlighted in, in, in when I read this, it should jump out. It is part of what we are, who we are. We're supposed to be, and it says it in many places and in many ways, going from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God, doesn't it say that? Yeah. Right? It does say we should go on to maturity. Doesn't it say that in, in uh, many places? So our, our faith should be growing. And the love, every one of you abounds toward each other. So there's something else, our, the attitude that we have toward each other. And that was in that very definition of, con, uh, of um, culture that I've, I've read to you a moment ago. How we treat and act toward one another. So this, my brothers and sisters, is talking to you. It's speaking to us about what church culture should look like. We should be growing in faith. Each of us as individuals should be growing in faith. And we, we should all, every one of us should have love for one another. <laughs> Don't look so happy. <laughs> so that we ourselves, both of you among the churches of God, look, now here's something else. For your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations, watch that, that you endure. Patience, listen, this is, this is huge. Patience and faith in all the persecutions and the tribulations, all the persecutions, all the troubles, everything that you're experiencing in this world, all of this stuff, you have patience and you're enduring these things. This is, this is solid. So this, my brothers and sisters, is speaking to church culture. Okay, big deal, Tony. We all knew that. Did we? Did we now? So now let me examine myself. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to say, Am I, is my faith growing? And not just growing in little bits and pieces. This says exceedingly. But if I'm growing, that's good. Because if I'm not growing, guess what? I'm backsliding. I've got to be moving forward. There's no such thing as static. Why? Because we're living in a... Because your enemy is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He knows that he's going. And he's taking as many of us as he can. He knows that hell was created for him. He knows that. But he's so proud, so arrogant, so stuck on himself, so against God that he would rather go ahead and take as many of us with him as he could. So my brothers and my sisters, here we have it. I need to be growing exceedingly. I need, I need to be loving. And the love that we have should be expressed palpably. We should be able to, it should be noticeable. And not the phony stuff. Oh, I love you. No. No, not, not, not with word, but with deed. What does this mean? You know what? Do we have, do, I, I think that we have folks in this room and certainly folks that are in and out of this room that check on each other. If someone's gone for a while, you know, you may get a text or you may get a phone call and it's not because, hey, they're not showing up to church. No, is, is everything okay? You're missed. Not just because there's an extra empty seat in the building, but because you're missed. Come on. Right? So, so, so that's part of it. How about this? You know someone, you have a feeling or Holy Spirit, you're so in tune and this is why it's, listen, this is why it's so important that we're growing spiritually that we have discernment because sometimes people don't want to be a burden on somebody else. So sometimes you just have to depend on Holy Spirit to know what to ask or not even know to ask, just to know that this person is in need of something, I'm going to bless them with something. This pantry that we're, that we're fixing to stock up, that, that's what this is about. You don't even, I don't care about uh, who's requesting what. If you are discerning that there's a need of your neighbor, then that's for you. 
you discern it. Don't wait for someone to ask you. Right? That's love. And, and for each other, if there's anybody in this building or anybody in our body, the body of Christ, that we know is in need, we don't wait for someone to ask. We don't wait for, you know, I'm, I'm going to check the box kind of thing. No, no, no. I know this is happening. I'm going to take care of this. I know this is happening. I don't have the means or the ability, but I'm going to do some legwork and I'm going to find out and we're going to get it done. I know someone's hurting. I know someone's hurting. I, you know, they're, they're backslidden. Uh, they're, they're struggling in their house. Uh, the kids are acting a fool or whatever the case may be. And they're, you know, I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to point the finger and say, you know, hey, you br- just pray harder. No, maybe I need to come up alongside and pray with them. Maybe instead of condemning, I should say, what can I do to help you, brother or sister? When I see someone who is lost, who, is, who is, has lost their way, they were once a part of this body, or listen, they were once a part of the body, they're maybe going to another church or maybe not going to another church, but I know that they're living a life that's not according to the scripture, not according to godly principles. And so uh, instead of me saying, what happened? You know, you, you fell from God. No, or, why aren't you going to church? It's no, no. Man, what can I do to help you? Is there anything that I can do to help you? God loves you. God didn't give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. Come on. See, this is that love that, that God is speaking to. This is, listen, this is the culture of the church. And not again, not the phony baloney stuff. I'm so sick and tired of people who would say to me, oh, I love you. And the first time they don't agree with something that I say from this pulpit, choo! No, no, no. Listen, I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm being honest. We have had people that claim to be so super spiritual come to this church and there was just one thing that I said or one thing that happened among here. One thing that my family did or what, God forbid, my, my granddaughters wear the wrong thing. God forbid, I mean, come on. One thing happened. Woo! What happened to the love? If, if, if there was something serious and you found offense, then shouldn't you come to me? Shouldn't we talk about it? Right? Well, isn't that what the Bible says? Okay, so, so my brothers and sisters, I'm talking now about church culture. I'm talking about church culture. I'm talking about how this Bible talks about how the, in Thessalonians, look, at the, you guys are doing this in the church and we're bragging on you because this is the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. I brag on this body a lot and not because I'm the shepherd. No, but because I'm so, I, I'm amazed sometimes at what a small body of believers accomplishes financially. Some of the money that we've sent. And I want to tell you that when we send checks to people, they're surprised. <gasps> because they know our size. But when we send checks, I've had people, wow, I was blown away. And that's because of you. You do that. You're sowing seed. Oh, I knew he was going to ask for money. I'm not asking for money. I don't need your money. I'm not taking any of the money. When you give money, it's paying for this place and it's going out. It's doing the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's church culture. We're going to give to people that we don't know or that we know of. They, we just know that there's a need. 
and bless God, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, we happen to know people who are doing great things for God who we know that when we sow into the ministry, know exactly where it's going. I, Brother Chuck, our mission to Africa, right? Destiny's calling now, Roy and Diana Gaddy. I mean, we've got people that we know, you know, Pastor Steve and Merge. I mean, there's so many people that we've written checks to over the, the years, and we'll continue to do it. And we know that that money is being used for the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's culture, church culture. Hallelujah. So now, uh, again, we've, we've focused on, I want to focus now on verse 4 just for a minute. Verse 4. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 So that we ourselves boast of you among the church of the God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See, my brothers and sisters, this is huge because we can talk about all of the things that I've talked about, the grace, the love, the faith, and, and, and then the giving and how it's easy to write checks, right? It's harder to go and do the work a little easier to write checks, and I'm not demeaning that. There is a mighty work that's going out and that's doing that. But my brothers and sisters, look at this. I, I really want to hang on to this passage just for a minute here. We're, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience, your faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations. My brothers and sisters, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, yes, all who desire to live godly it, who, live, who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Amen. Not might. Will. Amen. So if you, what does that mean? So if you desire to, as we should be, living as a disciple of Christ, guaranteed you're going to suffer persecution. Guaranteed. How do I know that? I'm smart. No, it just said it. He said that. And remember, we believe what this says. And it says that you will. Right? And my brothers and sisters, in Psalm, this isn't a new thing. This isn't just a New Testament thing. Look at what it says in Psalm, Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. See, my brothers and sisters, so, so young folks, I, I mean, I, anyone, oh, when you come to Jesus, it's all peachy and creamy, and you've heard me say that so many times that you're probably tired of hearing it. No, it, it is good. There is a life in Christ Jesus that I couldn't imagine not being a part of right now, especially as I see the world getting worse and worse and worse, and there's still something inside of us, something, that's, that's something that we know that we know, that no matter how bad it looks around us, that God's got us. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's not just, listen, that's just not... Uh, the, the Dorothy, I know this young people ain't going to know what this is. No place like home. There's no, the Wizard of Oz. No, that's not just positive thinking. That's not just this thing trying to make me get my emotions up and get you to get clap. And, oh, no, this is real. It's true. It is true. It is absolutely true. I am already living in eternal life because of what he did for me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it doesn't matter how bad it gets and what we have to suffer because we will suffer. He suffered. That's how we know we're doing it right. Young people, if you're suffering in college, in high school, or wherever, wherever you find yourself around some of the circles, and, and if you have to leave that circle, leave it. Do not be unequally yoked. You ain't going to change them. They'll change you. But you still got to live there. You still got to go there. That's good. Because when you go, carry this. And the ones that really despise you, they'll run away. <laughs> but there's always going to be one who is watching, who may not say anything, but they're watching. 
and they're listening. Young people, I want to encourage you. When you live out your Christian worldview, when you live according to the Holy Spirit that God has placed inside of you, if you're born again and you live it out and you're suffering some persecution, but I'm guaranteeing you that when you stand before God, there's going to be some people that will be up there because they were paying attention to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you refused to compromise. Because you knew who it was who was inside of you. And you knew what these words said. And even though, you, even though you know, the culture says that this is normal, you said, no, that's not normal to be a part of his body. That's not, the, the, that's not Christ culture. That's not the kingdom culture. I'm, I'm, I can't, but no. I know what Christ culture is. And I'm going to suffer for it. First Peter 4, 12 through 13. We've been here so many times back and forth. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also will be glad with exceeding joy. Do you see that? Partake of Christ's sufferings. It says in the scripture that through the suffering, that's how we are attaining the kingdom. The apostle Paul, right? Not that I may know him, not, not, come on. Not just in the powers of resurrection, but in the fellowship of the suffering. That's, how, that's where I know him more. That's where I, I'm acquainted with Christ the closest. Amen? But see, remember the title here. Culture, comfort, and the comforter. Do you all remember, um, I, I, I want to give you the proper notes, so get, forgive me as I peek here. In Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18. Don't turn there now, but I just wanted to make sure that you understood so later if you want to look at it and remind yourself of it. Remember the rich young ruler? In all those synoptic gospels, you have that rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He knew there was something going on. He knew Jesus was somebody special, right? And he said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Why do you call me good? Only God is good. So are you saying that I'm God? That's important. Why is it important? He's God. And you have to acknowledge that. Okay, why are you calling me good? There's only one that's good. That's God. Well, you know this. He says, you know the the commandments. Keep the commandments. Which ones? Right? And Jesus says, yeah, he and the young man, oh, I've done all these things since I've been a youth. Since I've been a youth, I've done all of these things. Okay, one thing you lack. If you want to be perfect, sell everything you have, Give it to the poor and come and follow me. The young man walked away, disappointed. He's standing before someone who he is acknowledging has something that he wants. He's absolutely acknowledging there's something different here. I've heard this man preach. I've heard his fame. I mean, there's something. I, you know what? He's already comfortable He's already comfortable. He's too comfortable to go ahead and give up that culture. He's comfortable with that culture. And so in order for him to receive comfort from the Holy Spirit, the comforter, remember, read in uh, John chapter uh, 14 and 15 mostly, you'll see Jesus is saying, I've got to go away and, it's, it, and I've got to go away. And the, if I don't go away, the comforter doesn't come. You're, wh- what do we need a comforter? Well, we need his help, right? You know, everything that we have, we have by him anyway. But part of his duty, part of his responsibility to us is for our help and to give us comfort, to strengthen us, to guide us, right? To teach us. 
But comfort is part of that. Why would I need comfort if um, I wasn't going to suffer anything negative? And so my brothers and sisters, listen, we can't have comfort from the Holy Spirit if we're depending on other things to comfort us. And in the culture that's creeped into the church, we're getting too comfortable with the things of this world. We're depending on the things of this world to bring us comfort rather than Holy Spirit. See, and then on the one hand, we can't say, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me to have the gifts of the Spirit. I want to have discernment. I want to speak in tongues. I want to prophesy. All of those things that you have that you say that are going to be manifested through me, I want them all. Lord, more importantly, Holy Spirit, I want love. I want, all the, I want the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. I want all of that. You know, self-control. Every fruit of the Spirit and every gift of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, but how in the world, my brothers and sisters, can you say that or can we say that and then be comforted by something else and think that Holy Spirit's just going to deposit this? It's not a buffet. We don't get to walk the line and pick and choose. Either we receive the Holy Spirit and we're guided by Him or we receive the comfort from the world. Boy, it's a little bit quiet. I didn't expect anybody to cut any backflips. However... My brothers and sisters, the culture of the church is different than the culture of the world. Or let me say it this way. It should be. Amen? Okay, so now I'm looking toward Holy Spirit. Now, culture, did you know, when we talk about culture, and especially in this modern era, especially with our children and what they've been taught over the last, oh, we're, we're, we should celebrate the different cultures and, you know, we're a multicultural society and everybody should have, you know, their say-so and blah, 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 blah. Fine. That's good. We, we have, I'm so glad to say that we have different cultures in this, in this room. And when it speaks to uh, that most generally, uh, multiculturalism, it's speaking about different nations, you know, different ethnicities, skin color, races, different, right? Different national origins and all of that, right? Come on. B because now, look, I'm American my, my, from Italian descent. So there are certain things that the Italians do uh, that in family that was brought over, that was their tradition. But you know what I found out from some of my friends that have had traditional families, whether it be African-American or whatever, there's some things that are just so similar, you know, and, and so in, in a lot of times we're looking at the differences in cultures, but there's a lot of things that are the same in different cultures as it relates to ethnicity, nationality, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, back in the 50s, uh, uh, black families were absolutely positively uh, flourishing and the family units were flourishing, the nuclear family, so to speak. And, and so, my brothers and sisters, that's so important because, listen... That family is just a microcosm of God's family, right? And, and that's what, so anything that could be done to break that or have that not be part of the culture, that's beneficial to the prince and the power of the air because that kind of cultural norm um, is really uh, antithetical to what he wants, Right? It's, it's much more, uh, it much more shows that there is a God and this family unit that shares love, that takes care of each other. And the father is the priest of the home and, and he's provider and he's caretaker. And, and the mother, she's, she's like the Proverbs woman who's taking care of her family. No, no, no. Mothers, if you're not out in the world making a living, you know, you're not fulfilling your 
you know, you get, you're not a real woman. You're not really working. You're, man, I want to tell you something. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Man, when we were young, and we didn't have nothing but some kids and a couple of jobs, I'm so glad that I had a wife that said, no, I'll stay home. Because when she went out to try to work part-time, and I was trying to stay with those kids, and I was so dog-tired, I couldn't keep my eyes open, and one day my son is eating toilet paper, I'm telling you something. <laughs> We needed to do so. so I, baby, you do what you, I mean, please take care of the kids until they go to school. When they go to school, you could do whatever you want. You want to go back to school yourself and get a college, your college degree. You want to get whatever you want to do, but let's, can you please? So I worked more jobs and she did some side stuff herself. Don't get me wrong, but she worked in the home. And I want to tell you something. What she did for our family was much more important than what I did for our family. Let me just say that. And she's not in this room, so go tell her that. <laughs> and she, thank you. But she, and she's not in this room. But I'm going to tell you, and even still, the things that she does, and she works full-time. So, so I want to say something to young ladies and women. You know, if you're career-oriented, great. But there is so much godly wisdom, godly understanding, and there's so much that should be shared in the home by a mom who takes care of the home. And that doesn't mean that dwelling. It doesn't mean that you're just cleaning the house. No, you're taking care of the home and everybody who's in it. You're providing something that got, that man can't provide because he's out there, should be out there making a living. He should be out there hunting and gathering, as it were. And you're in that home doing things that he can't and things that God has ordained you to do so that when those kids come home, they have a loving mom sitting there. Or while those kids are home, they're not shipped off someplace or sat in front of a TV. They have a loving mom who cares about them, who cares for them. So listen, if you're working, don't make, I'm, I'm not trying to say, well, you're working, it's and you shouldn't be working. You be I'm not saying that, but conversely, you women that stay home, that are homemakers and home, man, God bless you. God bless you. That is awesome. You have such an important job, such an important responsibility and duty. Hallelujah. But you know, but the culture has changed, and it's it's changed so that women don't feel complete anymore. Or how about this? The culture is such that we're looking for all of these other comforts that women have to work in order for us to afford the things. Isn't that right? Yeah. One job and and sometimes in one job in the house isn't enough. Why? We we, we got to get this. We got to have that. We need this. We need more. We got to have that. Come on. Amen. Right. So, so, so the culture then, and that culture is also part of the church. It's in the church as well. There, but now here, the cultures, whether it be gender-driven, whether it be age-driven, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm so sick of people demeaning old white men, old white preachers. I'm so sick of it because I'm an old white preacher. <laughs> I'm old, officially. I wasn't joking. I'm serious. <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking it so personal that, you know, I've got this rage about me. No, what I'm saying, though, is, listen, that, that's what happens. Every generation looks upon the other generation that went before them. Oh, they don't know anything because modern time, they don't, have the, they don't know what we know and all this other stuff. You've heard me say this a dozen times. I'm going to say it a dozen more or until the Lord shuts my mouth. I remember things that my grandfathers told me. 
I remember the things now that my father told me, my mother, those who went before me, that, those generations that were before me, they had some knowledge that I didn't have. You know why they had it? Because they were smart. No, they had experience that I hadn't had yet. So when my grandfather, I'm picking something up, and I'm this young man, and I'm, you know, I'm a young teenager, and I got all the strength in the world. I got a lot more strength than brains at this point, and I'm picking something up, and my grandfather says, so, son, don't do that. I'll never forget it. Grandpa Giggy. I was in his yard doing some yard work. He said, don't do that. Bend your knees. He says, you picked up that thing, bent over. He says, you may not feel it now, but when you get older, you're going to feel it. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, Pop. He was right. Come on. See, now, as silly as that may seem, as silly as an example as that may seem, but so many other things. So many other things, right? So now watch. I've heard people say modern megachurch preachers, these famous preachers that are a little bit younger and they wear, you know, the modern clothes, the leather, and they're all ripped up and they're talking about anybody who preaches like me, we're just angry white guys. I'm not angry. Not at you. Not at them. Not at, no. I, I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad because he's telling lies and our kids are believing it. I'm mad at that. But as far as human beings go, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm only saying what the truth says. Be sure your sins will always... I heard one guy say, yeah, you're always going to... You hear this. Be sure your sins will always find you out. That's just a mad uh, preacher. Really? Because that comes out of here. So was God mad when he said that? Uh, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he said it. So is it worth repeating? Yes. What else can I preach? Right? Come on. So are you following me? See, so now the culture is, in, is affecting the church. And so, my brothers and sisters, so whether it's, again, gender, age, um, uh, um, ethnicities, whatever it is, we, it happened in the early church. I'm going to read some passages to you. Just hang on just a little while longer. But I'm going to read some passages to you. In Acts chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, chapter, yeah, chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. If you want to turn there, I'll give you a minute, but uh, just make sure you're listening, okay? Chapter 2, verse 5, if you want to look it up later, we'll be going uh, probably ver through verse 13. And then I'm going to fire some scriptures at you. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Context, the Holy Spirit just dropped. Peter preached a message. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these people, all these people that are speaking, aren't they, from Ga aren't they Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene. Those from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, both Jews and proselytes. Now these weren't the Jews that were just, you know, scattered these were also proselytes. These were people from those countries that became Jews. So they're speaking, they're coming from these other countries, obeying the, the word of God, going to the temple for the celebration. And so my brothers and sisters, now the, we know what happens. The Holy Spirit falls on the church, 120 in the upper room. And they begin, they, the, the God falls on them, the Spirit falls on them, and they all walk, and they start praising God in tongues. Not in languages known by men, but in tongues, in a heavenly language. And this, you've heard me teach this before, but some of you who maybe not heard it. You know, and it says that each of them heard each of them 
in their own language. So that means Tony's speaking, I'm speaking English, but there's people, or I'm speaking in an unknown tongue, and everybody in this room gets to hear it in their native language. So simultaneously, as they're speaking the wonderful works of God, everybody there who's speaking in a foreign language hears it in their own language. Isn't that awesome? But, but note, here's, here, here's what I want you to notice. They're all from different backgrounds, different nationalities. They're Jews, they share a religious belief, but they all have these customs and cultures from other countries. And they're all coming together, and now God is speaking to them as one people. Yes. As one people. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. They're drunk. Others mocking. So my brothers and sisters, listen. Even then, when the power of the Holy Spirit is ju just falls out and is so evident that people are taken back, and there were thousands of people that came to the Lord that day. And my brothers, they're taken back. And people from other countries, people that, these are Galileans. These are, how, how could we, how could they do this? How could we hear each of them in our own language? And this must be something. Okay, what happened? So Peter gets up and preaches, and he tells them what happened. And they become believers. What must we do? They were all pricked in their hearts when they heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What must we do to be saved? Be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. And thousands, 5,000 came to the church. My brothers and my sisters, this is a bunch of people, a duff, nations, cultures, coming together, becoming one, hearing one voice, obeying one voice. Are you, is this tracking with anybody? One Hallelujah. Acts 6. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, <clears throat> there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. This was the first little uprising or schism in the church. And, and, and what is it about? It's about a cultural difference. Well, it wasn't a cultural difference. It was a difference between someone who was a Greek Jew and someone who was a Hebrew Jew. Right? So they're saying the Hebrews are getting treated better than the Greek Jews. And these are all believers. One church. They're all believers in Christ Jesus. Okay, we have a problem. And we know what they did. They prayed. They sought God. The elders got together and they thought, okay, we have to do this. We're going to give deacons to, so, to make sure that this ministry is taken care of, that everybody's taken care of equally. Amen? But my brothers and my sisters, do you see what happens here? The first thing that happens is someone says, we're not being treated well because we are this. Come on. If you really feel that way, then listen, let's not cause an uprising. Let's go and have a conversation. I'm talking about church culture. In the world, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep voting for the wrong people for the wrong reasons. They're going to keep doing that stuff, and so be it. And they're going to get what they deserve. But in church, no. In church, if we feel like something is happening that's not conducive with one voice, one word, one God, we need to talk about it and not get mad. I'm going down the road. I'm going to a different buffet. Come on. Right? Am I, am I right? See, that's church culture. The world does it different. The world protests. They make fusses and they, they turn things over and burn things to the ground and they do all this stuff. And who could speak the loudest and who could proclaim I'm the one that's most put upon and blah, 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 blah. No. In church, no. 
Listen, only 5%, I heard this and it blew me away, only 5% of the churches in the U.S. are multicultural. That means different colors, races, nationalities, and all. only 5%. You believe that? And, and how they define that is like 80% um, of, there, there can't be a dominant um, culture. And they, by, what by, they mean by that is anything 80% or over. So in other words, if there's 8 out of 10 people in your church are, you know, Caucasian, then it's not, you know, or whatever, or it's Italian, let's say it that way, or 80% of your church is African-American, and then you're not multicultural. It has to be a mix. And, 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 I, and that surprised me, because I thought at this point, uh, even in our culture that is really, uh, I'm, the, the culture that I live in is less prejudiced than any other time that I've ever lived. You know, when, where I grew up, there were different sections of towns and stuff like that. Right now, man, there are all different colors and shapes and sizes and nationalities living in all different kinds of neighborhoods and all that. I think it's awesome. Now, is that true everywhere and every place? No, I'm, I'm sure it's not. But it's, it's better now than it's ever been, I think. And so that's why it surprised me when I heard, saw this as it relates to the church. Only 5% of the churches in this country. So, my brothers and my sisters, what does that mean? I, I don't know. I think that that maybe speaks wrongly of church culture. So I think that maybe we have, you know, black churches, white churches, Asian churches. And why? I know why. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Thank you, my sister. No, I know why. Comfort. We feel more comfortable with this race, with my people. I feel more comfortable with my people. Guess what? If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you're born again, you're my people. Amen. One voice, right? Yes. One God. One blood. One. I know it's easy to say and harder to do because we do, because we come from different backgrounds, there are different practices, different things. I am so glad that I've met other people. I'm so glad that I, I grew up in the Northeast and moved to the South. There's so many different things that I've found out. Some of the sayings, man, I, I, some of the things that I've learned and picked up and some of the food, I mean, thank God, some of the food. Greens, oh my goodness. Are you kidding me right now? It's not all about pasta and sauce and gravy and all that. Are you kidding me? It's not just steak and potatoes, although that's pretty good. No, come on. Are, are you feeling me right now? You understand? Man, I'm so glad that we have this mix that, you know, there's different varieties of different things that come together. But my brothers and sisters, there's always going to be that. Even in my own family, there are different things that we practice and different things that we do, different uh, traditions that we make for our kids and for our, right? Come on. So, so wait, that's always going to happen. But the major things, the, the very nature of who we are should all be the same because it's essence. It, everything it is comes from Jesus Christ, flows from Jesus Christ. Amen? And one blood, one voice. Right? Amen. 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 One body. Thank you. One body. Now, we understand uh, Stephen. Stephen gets martyred. The church is suffering persecution under Paul, who was then Saul. And, and now they scatter. But before that, my brothers and sisters, there are so many things that happen. I, I, I ran out of time. I, when the church was scattered, because remember, Jesus said, go to the othermost parts, make disciples of all nations. 
He's not talking about just now the Hebrew, the Israeli nation. Make disciples of all nations. But they're sticking around because things are going pretty good. But then persecution comes and they scatter. And when they scatter, guess what they take with them? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, you know, we know the, uh, the Philip, the deacon, he goes and he preaches in Samaria. And there's a, 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 there's, I mean, we know that the Jews and the Samarians are enemies. Right, but he goes and he preaches Jesus in Samaria, and there's, you know, there's this revival in Samaria, and 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 the Holy Spirit falls. They get blessed with the gifts, and the Holy Spirit, same Spirit, same Spirit fell on those in Samaria that fell on the day of Pentecost. Same Spirit, same evidences. Right? Amen. Come on, we have Philip himself. He's translocated. You know, right? He, after he preaches to what? A eunuch who is Ethiopian. The, the, he's, he's going up to a, a eunuch who is a part of Kandasi's, Kandas, uh, she's like his treasurer. He's a, he's, he's a, you know, a well-positioned person uh, in the kingdom of the Ethiopians. And so, you know, Philip goes upon him. The Holy Spirit leads him. He goes upon him. He says, what are you reading? And he's reading out of Isaiah. And he's talking about all we like sheep have gone astray. And, and, the, and, the, he, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand what I'm reading unless someone teaches me? And so Philip teaches him. He says, what does this mean? He's saying, who is this prophesying of? Who is this? Door open? Here I come right in. Come on. And preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the man hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, an Ethiopian, hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say? Well, I'm going to carry this back. Let me see how I can fit this in with what I already believe or what my culture... No. Know what he says? There's water over there. What's preventing me from being baptized? I want to now identify with Jesus Christ. Come on. I, look, come on. See, the most important thing right now is that I am identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got nothing to do with my position in the Ethiopian kingdom. I don't care what they're going to think when I go back there. I, uh, I need to be baptized and be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He already was living in comfort. He was already living in comfort. He was in the court. He, he, he had a position. How about Peter sent to minister to the Italian? Cornelius. I, we did a, one of those genealogy checks, and I go all the way back to Cornelius, by the way. Just kidding, but I bet you, if I really believed in that stuff, I'd do it, and I bet you. No, I'm kidding. So Peter, he's, he, he, he hears from God, right? When he hears from God, right? Take, kill, and eat. Yep. No, three times. No, God, I don't touch the unclean thing. I'm changing your culture. God said, I'm changing your culture. You, you can't think that way anymore. Don't call anything that I have cleaned unclean. I'm, ch I'm about to change your culture. I'm about to introduce something new to the church. I'm about to show you that when I prophesied so long ago, those, listen, those, who, uh, th those that didn't have me will now have me. When I told you those who are not a people will be my people, I'm ch I'm, now it's about to happen, Peter. Get ready. Here it comes. Go there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now we have an Italian and his whole house yes. hallelujah and they listen what happens when Peter's preaching the gospel 
when Peter's teaching and preaching, what happens? While he's preaching and teaching, Holy Spirit falls. The Comforter falls. There, there, listen, this guy is somebody. In his culture, in his society, he's somebody. He has a house. He has servants. He has position. He has status and stature. But he needed the comforter, my brothers and sisters. He wasn't dependent upon those. He was always looking. He was looking at God. He was looking at God. He was making prayers and alms before God, the God of heaven, the God that he really didn't understand totally, but he wanted to. So, and God saw that. What does it say? His prayers and his almsgiving has reached me. Why? Because it's out of a pure heart. He doesn't know me. He's a Gentile, but he's reaching. He he's, has a heart's desire for me, the true and living God. He has a desire for me. So Peter, things are about to change. And so when Peter preaches, while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls. And Peter said, how can we not baptize him with water? They've already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The same thing that happened to us happened to them. The comforter fell. Change the culture. Change the culture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, remember when Paul went to Athens and he was on Mars Hill? Remember that? He's got, they've got all of those gods. You know, and they, this is the height of, let's see, this is the height of where we are, I think. Oh, all of these statues and all of these idols, we're not going to leave anybody out. They're all good. And so Paul is, I can imagine Paul is just this statue, this idol, this one, that one, that one. And then he comes upon one that says to the unknown God right? Now, Paul is just extremely blessed with an anointing, and he knows just what to say and how to say it. Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit anointed. And he tells them, I see that you're very superstitious people, that you believe a lot of different things. But he said, I also saw this, I'm going to say it in my words, okay, because we're running out of time. Uh, I also see that you, there's this, there's this uh, monument to the unknown God. I'm telling you that you even worship a God that you don't know. I, I'm Tony's lingo. I'm, I'm going to tell you about this God that you don't know that you worship. And he did. He told them. He preached the message. And he gave them. Listen to what he says. And he has made in 1726, he has made from one blood every nation. Did you hear that? One blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And has determined there are pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So we all have different boundaries, different so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. My brothers and sisters, I, I believe that he's speaking something even then to the Tower of Babel. He sent them, he gave them different places. He, he sent them, he broke them apart. He made out of all humans out of one blood. But then he, said, he, he determined boundaries and dwellings. Why? If they stayed together, they would have never sought God broke them apart so they could seek God. I'm, I'm, this is jumping off at me. Does any, do you see that? One blood. Still one blood. I got to quit. I, I don't want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, is this tracking with anybody? Young people, I hope I didn't lose you. But, 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 but here, listen, I, I want to say, I want to go back just a little bit. The gender thing. I mean, you laughed and all that, and that's good. But I want to tell you honestly, I think Terry said during, uh, was it Wednesday? So asked me about hymns. And I've been begging. Why can't we sing some hymns? 
I want to sing some of the old-timey hymns. They're so filled with worship and adoration for God. But now some of the young people, you know, we got to sing all these other songs. Let me tell you something about, we have turned the church into entertainment. It's a culture that revolves around entertainment. Now again, uh, what else would you say, Tony? You don't have a praise band. You don't have... Okay, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Listen, when I go to a, a concert, and I, I enjoy it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love some of the talent and some of the blessing that people receive from going in here. But I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, young people, hear me, please. When you go and you hear your favorite song and it breaks you down, it tears you up, that's, that's good. But that's emotional. You got to let the word of God and the spirit of God break you down. If it's not the word and the spirit, then it's emotion. And I'm not saying there's no value in that. If you are coming to the point, Holy Spirit can use those words, especially if they're grounded in the word of God. But my brothers and sisters, when I go to one of these concerts and I see the young people dressing like those people that are on the stage, when I see more in the congregation, you know, Try emulating those who are up on the platform, I have a problem with that because I don't want anybody to buy this jacket. Hey, it's pretty nice, isn't it? I don't want anybody to buy the, these clothes or anybody to look like me or have a goatee that's kind of salt and pepper, really neat looking. I don't want that. If you want to, yeah, sure, go ahead. But listen, listen. I want everyone to see Christ Jesus through the Word Amen. and through the Spirit. And hopefully in my lifestyle and in your lifestyle, anybody can mimic or imitate what the world is doing. But my brothers and sisters, if we're seeking that kind of comfort, then the comforter will not infiltrate your life. He can't because you're seeking comfort somewhere else and you're receiving comforts from something else and you've become accustomed to that. We cannot let that be part of church culture. Yes, the music is great. Yes, but I'm not going to church or to be entertained. I'm not going to see that person up on stage who may be, uh, who, got, who is God's chosen person at that point. I, I, I hope they're just uh, anointed and the speaking really means something. But listen, if they're entertaining, yeah, okay, great. But what are they saying? What are they saying? That's what counts. What are they saying? Yeah, believe me, I, I know that there's a way to say it to make it more, uh, I don't know, relatable. Uh, you know, there's a way to say it to capture people's attention. That's part of the anointing. But there are also those people that have a talent to do that. I've mentioned that before to you all. These great... Uh, these great motivational speakers. I mean, they're not speaking truth all the time, but they're so motivational. They have this talent to do it. And the same thing with the music and everything else. They have this talent. And even some of these young people that, and, and older people too that have these talents, the actors and actresses, they can get up in there and they can make you feel. I mean, I just saw uh, Jesus Revolution. Pretty good movie. Uh, but my brothers and sisters, I'm looking at some of the talented actors and actresses and what they're doing. I'm, I'm looking at that. So, yeah, God has blessed people with talents and, and, and things and all that. But I cannot be enamored with that. I can't be comforted in that. I can't seek to be entertained or, listen, pacified in that moment by that. Did you hear what I said? See, because here's what's going to happen, my brothers and sisters. I may go to that concert. I may go, man, I went to, um, Michelle and I went together to a few of them. I won't name names because I don't want to. Listen, very popular, very huge uh, organization, big group. Everybody, we sing their music. Everybody sings their music. And we went, and I, and I was blessed. I mean, I sang some songs, but I'm singing to God. 
but I see so many young people dressed exactly like those folks on stage, acting like them, trying to imu imitate and emulate them folks. And I'm thinking, Lord, help us. Help us. See, when I say things like, you know, uh, women should not wear yoga pants to church, it offends people. And, and I know that there's a person not coming to church anymore because that person thought I was preaching at them. I didn't even know they were doing it. But when I saw that they got up and they walked out and they were wearing them, I said, oh, that person's not coming back anymore. No, no, and listen, I, I don't mean that to be funny. I, I'm, I'm really not. I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. But, but my brothers and sisters, look, I, there's so much more scripture I want to give you here, and I, 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 want, I want to get out. The Bible instructs and teaches us on all manners of, I was, I was fixing to say conduct, but that's, only a, that's, that's like a bad word. No, it's not conduct, it's culture. It's what church culture should look like. And it should be an atmosphere where our young people are not to be made uh, fun of, not to be made to feel guilty if they don't have you know, good clothing or anything like that. I've always preached and taught from the pulpit. If all you have are jeans and t-shirt, then wear the best t-shirt and the best pair of jeans you've got to church. And not for me. No, for the people around you. Have a little respect for the people around you. Show a little bit of decorum for, for understanding that you're in a place where there's other brothers and sisters, other worshipers of God. And by the way, it's for God. So, so, so man, man I, I could go on. There's oh, so many things. Young men, man, we should not look at, uh, you know, how many girlfriends we can have, or, you know, how popular we can be, and, and, and you, know, you know, we're the best athlete. Should you strive to be a good athlete? Yeah, if God has blessed you with that talent, then do that. But always first, what does God want me to do? And when you go into that locker room, bring the kingdom, bring the culture of Jesus into that locker room. When you're on that football field, bring the culture of Jesus onto that football field. Man, hey, if you're a defensive player and you laid a wood to him, God laid a wood to him. Put him down. That's what you're supposed to do. But then lend a hand and pick him back up. Hey, good play, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just using things that I know, things that I can relate to and hopefully that you could relate to. And certainly some of our young people could relate to. Come on. You ain't, you, young, young women, I mean, you're going to dress, the Bible tells you, the Bible absolutely tells you that you should be modest in your appearance. I always tell my granddaughters, you know, leave something to the imagination. But it's not just young girls anymore. Leave something to the imagination. Young men, listen, if you're having a problem with that, that you know, you're looking and all that, okay, don't blame them. And I'm not giving you permission by saying this to blame them. That's your fault. Go to God. Go to God. I'm having a problem, Lord. I can't, I'm watching these things and it's having an effect on, my, on, on me on the inside. See, and the reason why I have to speak this way is because our young people are being told so many things about sexual relationships and all this other stuff and think it's normal, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not. Older people, same for you. It's not okay. It's not. Church culture. Jesus culture. Amen? It's all over the scripture. I'm just going to read one last one because I got <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at me. Colossians, chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Do you see what that's saying? You've received him as the Lord. Now look, I, had a, I was witnessing to somebody this week, and it was amazing. God just did this. There's no question. I didn't, God just did this. And when I said some things, um, this person 
I explained they had known about Jesus, but from a different perspective. And when I said some things, the person said, well, how do you do that? Because I said, you have to be a disciple of Christ. You have to follow Christ. How do you do that? And I explained the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I explained, you know, how that works. And, and that's our only, that's the only way we can do it. Because if we're, just, if we're relying upon our humanness, our, our own will, that's behavior modification. And that doesn't last. Right? So I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is the one that leads, guides, and directs you into that. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him by the Holy Spirit, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught. As you have been taught. Did you hear that? So there has to be someone to help to teach. We have teachers for the young people, Rachel, Miss Michelle. We've had people go in and out. But we have people that are teaching young people. We have the Zoom meetings with Rachel. Well, we still need a, 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 a youth leader. But my brothers and sisters, there, there are some men in here that are teaching men on the job, have people in your home. They have to be taught. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Here we go. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, Empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Let's put the nut in a shell right here. My brothers and sisters, worldliness, the culture of the world, has no place in the church. We should reject it, but not reject people. Did you hear me? There's a difference. There's a difference. We don't reject people. We reject the culture of the world. We bring people in and we teach them. Amen? But we have to be grounded in Christ. Amen? Does everybody believe that? Yes. Amen. Amen. Me too. So stand with me, please. I'm, I'm so sorry. I've kept you long. I just could not stop. And I was really more. I just... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't even have time to sing another song. Unless, Luke, you want to... Hallelujah. I, I really, I'm really stirred. Is there anyone else that's stirred right now? I mean, not, not emotionally. Not emotionally. I mean, really, there's something stirring inside of you. So here's, here's I, I guess, here's what I want to say. If the Lord and His Spirit, through these words, have done something, it's made you think twice, it's, it's stirred something in you, please, don't let it go unchecked, ignored. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Amen? Are you depending on something in the world to bring you comfort, to make you feel better? Because if you are, the comforter can't help you. Amen? So Lord God, here we are. Father, we receive your word. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us, that you give us discernment. Lord, those things that we've come to rely upon to bring us comfort, to make us feel better in our sufferings and in our persecutions, Lord, or just even in our everyday life, Lord, we just don't want to be uncomfortable. But Lord, help us Lord, help us to be uncomfortable with the culture of the world. Amen. 
and strengthen and comfort us, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit with the culture that should be found in the church. Lord, help us to have a desire, a sincere desire to live among each other in love. Father, exhorting, edifying. Father, that we may build each other up, that we may strengthen one another. Father, that we may be encouraged, even in the middle of bad situations, Lord. Let that be where we look for our comfort. Father, your Holy Spirit, in your church, in your people, Father, help this culture of this congregation, Lord, to be solely and wholly set on the culture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in the days and the weeks or however long we have ahead, continue to lead, guide, and direct us in all the ministries that emanate from this body of believers. Let it all be because of you. Let it all be motivated by you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, let us discern. Let us know that we know. Lord, let the Holy Spirit be the one that's guiding us. Holy Spirit, we want you to be our comforter and help us to be able to discern between the two, the world's comfort and your comfort. Help us, Lord, not to be emotional, but to be spiritual. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Now, to he who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that resides in us, to him be all the glory in the church by Christ Jesus forever and ever, amen.